Hello everyone and welcome fellow piercers and piercing enthusiasts to Real Talk, a piercing podcast from the minds of piercing professionals on the body modification industry and culture. Each episode we will center on a common theme with a guest. We will cover topics including things such as piercing methods, industry topics, jewelry, and trends. I'm your host Will Von Doom, a professional body piercer and proud member of the Association of Professional Piercers. So let's get straight to the point and dive into this week's topic. Welcome back, everyone. In this episode, we sit down with two of my favorite people within the industry to talk about a very unique system they have within their studio. What are we talking about? Very few studios, not only across the country, but also around the world, have a jewelry company in their building. This is something that could change the way your business operates and separate you from your peers. Bell of Fine Jewelry in Asheville, North Carolina is one of these studios, and within it lies Origins Handmade. We sit down with the owners of each part of the studio, respectively. Nick Fox, owner of Bella Fine Jewelry and Piercing, discusses how the community has responded to their business practice of being both a piercing studio and a custom jewelry maker under one roof. While Alan Veg, owner of Origins Handmade and piercer at Bella, discusses how learning everything on your own can result in a unique style when it comes to your jewelry. So without further ado, listen in as we talk about doing jewelry repairs in the time it takes to get a cup of coffee how it can prevent burnout, and how the community responds to your business. If you'd be so kind, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? My name is Nick Fox. I own and operate Bella Fine Jewelry and Piercing in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and I'm Alan. Uh, I pierce at Bella, and I also make jewelry under the name Origins Handmade. Um, and I've been piercing 16 years or so and moved down here about three years ago to work at Bella. I've been piercing uh, three or four years now. I'm pretty new. So for our listeners that have never had a chance to go to Bella, the studio is awesome. Uh, and it's incredibly unique in the fact that it does something that a lot of businesses in our industry don't do. The reason why I asked both of these folks to be on the show this week is because we're, we're actually going to make this a two-part series. This is going to be the first part. And what we're going to be discussing is evolving either as an industry or as a studio to match your needs. And thing that we're going to be talking about today is basically having a jewelry company in your studio. And that is what makes Bella so unique in my eyes, because uh, for those folks, you can actually look at it online. Uh, you can go ahead and you step foot in the studio and you look to your left and there's probably Nick smiling there. And you look to your right and there's like a little like window that you can look through, which will probably have Alan inside making all sorts of awesome jewelry. So it's very unique because that's something that we really don't see too much in this industry. So I'm just going to go ahead and put this on to you guys and can you explain kind of how your studio operates and how how impactful it is to have a basically uh an app custom order jewelry operation in your lobby can i just interrupt one thing real quick yeah um it's not always me making the jewelry <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> um, uh, nick's in here probably as much if not more than me and makes a ton of both his own like unique stuff and also we both and also john our new piercer here we all share the workload making like seam rings and and discs and beads and all kind of our basic stuff so definitely if you walk into our shop it's just as likely to see any one of us in here working kind of like a rotating like today you're on jewelry <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah a lot of times coming into the shop for the day it's like who wants to do what like do you want to make jewelry do you have a project you're working on do you have stuff you need to finish do you want to pierce today like what's your deal like that's really awesome. It's super it, fun. Yeah. Yeah. It breaks yeah. up the monotony of, you know, doing one thing day after day after day after day. Totally. It's, also, burnout, probably. it's also really nice to have a productive outlet whenever you're just having a day. Like if you 15 minutes late to start your day and the coffee pot's broken and you just didn't have a clean press shirt and you cannot fathom assisting a client reinsert nostril jewelry or something cool man pop in headphones and sit down and 
and make a bunch of threadless ends for us. It's it's a really good way to stay productive, make some money for yourself, assist the studio, and and uh, and keep everything going, and and let us all enjoy hanging out with each other and and being productive. So it's uh, it's a really fun way to work every day. The window closes, so we can <laughs> it can be a pretty private space when you want it to, and and we've all here at the shop been on the side of like. Hey, I don't really want to talk today. Like, I'm just going to make jewelry. Can you handle clients? And it works out great. And then there's other days where it's it's very open and back and forth and us talking to each other through the window and talking to clients and and like people being more sort of involved. And other times it's just kind of a like, you can look into the window and see the dude making jewelry, but not interact. <laughs> and it's it's nice. I, I do think it helps with burnout stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that it's such a weird thing, but, you know, it's it's kind of awesome to watch a piece get made. I, I personally, from a old man standpoint, really get excited every time that I get to watch things like get made or like learn how things like come to fruition. And it's it's just awesome to me that you can see. And and actually, in all honesty, your Instagram for Origins does this like super well, where you'll be like, here's a stick of metal. I'm going to beat it with a hammer. And then each <laughs> step you're showing what's going on, because I won't lie, nine times out of ten, I'm like, how the hell is that going to work? And then three pictures later, I was like, oh, that's how that works. So it, it's super interesting to me. But yeah, in your studio, I, like I said, I've only been there a handful of times, but each time I go in there, it's actually really interesting. Um, can you explain how your studio layout is? It's, in in my opinion, it's a very, when I say this, I mean it lovingly, it is a small, comfy space. And, but the thing is, is that the the usability of the space that you guys have is like at its peak. Can you explain like how it works when you walk in and how you display the sure. pieces or how you go about if like there is a, a piece that someone sees but isn't exactly what they want and how you go and change things from there? Sure. Um, the studio is extremely small, well under 300 square feet. So you walk in and immediately to your right is a, a small tower display that contains all of our hanging jewelry as well as examples of like custom labrets and plugs that Alan can make. Um, and then to our left is a large display case of our gold threadless ends. We do a pretty good job of displaying a wide array of stuff and have everything from simple beads and discs that we'll produce in house uh, along with triple beads and triangles little gold rectangular bars, stuff like that, um, along with stuff produced by other jewelers. Um, we're really big on trying to carry stuff from other folks. And then there's a selection of Origins jewelry. And the far wall in the studio is going to be rings and threaded ends, along with a fairly small selection of titanium threadless and threadle- threaded ends that we do carry. Um, but for the most part, you walk in, we'll have hundreds of pieces of jewelry, and every once in a while, a client will see a piece that they really, really jive with and is a great fit, but happens to be white gold and is hammered. And they really wish that it was rose gold and perfectly smooth. Um, and quite quite commonly, one of us will be available to make that piece for them while they go grab a cup of coffee or just sit in the lobby and have a cup of coffee and, and watch the piece get made and, and chat with us. Um, we We try to provide people the ability to 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 get exactly what they want if they feel like what they're seeing doesn't line up completely with it. But quite honestly, the the clientele here in Asheville and the clientele that visit Asheville on vacation are really excited to spend money and support people who are local and producing things by hand right in front of them in that space. Uh, they feel they feel really connected to that, and so I think we're able to nudge clients a little bit out of their comfort zone or what they had preconceived notions of getting before they walked in, they actually leave with something a little more unique and a little more special. Building off of that, I know that Alan covered this a little bit in his episode, but use a lot of locally sourced materials too, right? Um, A bit. Yeah. There's uh, it's not, we've had clients, it's not too uncommon for clients to like go to one of the mines here in North Carolina for a tour and like, or even find stuff on a hike. Um, there's, I mean, you can dig citrine out of creeks and streams here, and there's garnets and there's emeralds, and um, 
It's, I had a client bring some aquamarines recently that she got from a mine locally that she was touring and they, they did like a little dig and she found aquamarines when they dug and she brought them in and got pierced with them in her conscious. And I think that stuff can be really fun. We, we actually had a client recently take a trip to Montana and mine a bunch of sapphires themselves and basically paid us in sapphires to make her a piece with one of the sapphires. So that was really fun. That's awesome. <laughs> I uh, I love that. It's like a old timey barter system. Like I got gold. <laughs> I I think that's super unique. And I the big thing too is the overall feeling that I'm getting from the two of you is that you are extremely open to the idea of using different materials and kind of running with clients' ideas. And you're not very dismissive at them. I think that's a really really great trait to have because then it shows that there's at least in my eyes there is some sort of connection between you and the clientele which makes the experience itself even more personable certainly i think our clients have a great deal of respect for the fact that we are making pieces for them and it does tend to inform like how they treat us as people providing jewelry we're not just uh, middlemanning jewelry to them, which is extremely difficult. You know, educating yourself about body jewelry and jewelry in general is a big task. So I appreciate that people do go through the trouble to do that. And then there's also the added um, burden of learning how to produce this stuff. And also, quite frankly, like troubleshooting it when stuff goes wrong. I've only been making jewelry for a year and a half or two years now. And stuff will come back in that I made early on. And it's, it's, kind of shocking to see how much I've improved, but it's also given me a great deal of sympathy for the larger companies who've been doing this for longer and in such huge, massive amounts. It's like kind of dizzying to think about having, um, having to produce that much stuff for the public is, is really shocking and scary. So I feel really fortunate that our clients feel a great sense of connectivity to the shop. So when they purchase a piece from me, um, or a piece from Allen and Origins, and there's, uh, they know that they're going to be taken care of, and it, they, they generally are kinder if a piece has something that doesn't work out about it. Yeah, it's, I think it's sort of a byproduct of like being down to get really creative with the stuff we make and the piercings we do. Also, means there is some risk that it's not always going to go perfectly, um, and it's, it's not super common, but it has happened where a piece we made like didn't work out so well as you know like a side set threadless piece or whatever so we end up putting threads on it instead or we have to modify it or or do whatever so that it works for what we tried to do with it um not a super common thing but our clients are really pretty amazing about that and when they know they're getting something that's a little bit experimental or new or whatever they're always pretty down to give us feedback and let us know when stuff is like hey this this piece always turns this way so you can't see the stone in it or whatever. So it's it's nice that we have a pretty good open communication with our clients that they're like comfortable telling us when stuff like that is the case. So we get to learn from it. I think that's awesome, especially uh, how humbling it is to listen to both of you admit that sometimes things don't go the way that they should. And uh, let's be honest, in this day and age, especially within our industry, uh, eating a slice of humble pie is starting to become a rarity, which is kind of sad. I'll go ahead and say it. But I, I do really appreciate the fact that you guys are not only willing to admit it, but also discuss it. And I, you know, building off of that, I think it's kind of crazy that in the current climate of our industry, that it can take anywhere from, you know, three to six months to sometimes get a piece repaired by certain companies. And you guys are doing it in between how long it takes to go grab a cup of coffee and come back. <laughs> we'll get clients that are really apologetic about a broken piece, like if it's their fault, and they'll they'll think it's a huge deal. And like, I don't know. And, and you know, maybe they spent several hundred dollars on this piece and, and can't really afford to get something similar. And, and they'll come in really bummed. And it's always fun to be like, oh, this will take me 10 minutes to fix. Like, <laughs> like you're good. Like, like, I know you stepped on it or whatever, but like we can drop a stone back in here or we can fix the pin on your threadless piece or, you know, whatever is such an easy, it's so nice to not have to send that stuff out and to be able to just be like, Oh yeah, you, 
you bent your seam ring all out of whack. Great. Let me fix it for you. And it makes it, um, it really highlights what our fellow piercers go through whenever we do occasionally have to send a piece out. I had to, um, in the winter, send a piece out and it took months to get it repaired. It was something we couldn't do in house. And it made my heart go out to piercers who deal with it regularly. And also the company who I dealt with because, uh, my client was frustrated and I would check in on the piece and they would let me know where it was at. There was a great deal of communication, but all around it was just kind of acknowledged like this is a long drawn out arduous process that no one is enjoying. And a lot of the magic of buying that piece and leaving with it in your body and feeling good about it gets drained away when you have to send it in for repair and you're wearing a niobium seam ring or or whatever threadless end you had lying around waiting for this fairly expensive and beautiful piece to come back to you. It's, it's not fun. That's, that's awful. Like, let's, let's just, you know, clear the air on that one. Uh, (laughs) for the, for the clients that listen to this, uh, I know that all of our piercers can truly relate with us, but there is nothing worse than having, having a client call you asking where their piece is and you just have to eat crow and say, I'm sorry, it's just taking that much longer. And it's, I do feel, and this is my two cents, I'm speaking personally on on my soapbox, I do find an extreme disconnect because there is a lot of companies that you send the piece to, they will tell you they received it, and then you don't hear back from them until it goes out back to you. And there is this, like... The, the only way in my mind that I see is it's like a misty, like moonlit night. And it's like there's mist in the way. And you can see a car like way off in the distance. And you're like, that's the jewelry. And then sometime it will come to you. But you have no idea because you can't really see through the haze. And it's just <laughs> this. It, it's a it's a horror movie. It, it really is. You send out a piece and you're just like, oh, shit. And, you know. <laughs> What's going to happen in the interim? Because on the other end, you turn around and there's just like an angry person staring at you and you, you've got to handle it. Even if you call a client, just to let them know, you know, we're still waiting. We haven't heard anything. As soon as I do, I'll let you know. That is appreciative from clients, but it still sucks. Like nobody wants to make that phone call to just be like, hey, your stuff's not here yet. You know, it's, it just doesn't really go over well for anybody. No. I think also to play devil's advocate a little bit and to like sympathize with that side though, is that sometimes like I have a binder of all the special orders and the things I need to make on top of usually a list of wholesale, you know, kind of shop basics that I need to make for us and also repairs and everything kind of gets done in the order it comes. And there's times where, yeah, it takes a while to get to a repair or to a new piece or whatever and there's just nothing to update the client on <laughs> like there's times where it's like cool yeah i've got 14 other things i have to make before i even think about your piece and in the two weeks it's going to take me to like do those 14 pieces like there's nothing to update you on it's not like i'm sitting here working on it that whole time it's just sort of in line um so i do think sometimes that's it it feels like, why is nobody telling me what's happening? And the reality is like, probably nothing is happening. It's just, you know, everything else needs to get done before your piece can get done. And you kind of just have to wait your turn. Yeah, exactly. It's also rather challenging for us because uh, we're a brick and mortar location. We're open seven days a week. Um, We cannot hide from anyone. And there's no nooks and crannies in the studio with which we could you know, spirit ourselves away and write out an awkward interaction. Like we are here. So if we told a client, uh, we, I should say me, if I tell a client like, oh, your piece will be ready next weekend and we end up slammed this week or Alan's getting married or I hop on a plane to Texas to go to a funeral, stuff gets gets pushed down the, down the line just by virtue of being a human being. And you can't go anywhere. Like that person is going to show up on Saturday at 11.01 a.m. to pick up the piece you said was ready. And you're either apologizing and sending them to get donuts and a cup of coffee and ignoring whatever piercings come in to make their piece in 30 minutes, or you're going to knock a little bit off the price and ask them to come back the next weekend. Like you have to make those calls right then because they're, 
they're not calling. They're showing up in person, usually with a kid on their hip or a partner or, you know, uh, it can get tense occasionally. And it, it puts a lot of pressure on you as a, a someone who's providing a service and a product to deliver on what you said. So I, I sometimes envy the larger companies in that they are a, they're an email address or a phone number. They're not so much a, a location that piercers are are knocking on their front doors that open ready to get the piece they said would be ready. Could you imagine that nightmare? <laughs> like a piercers like slamming on a door like in a zombie movie? <laughs> I mean, we live it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's also times you send somebody to get lunch and, and tell them like, y'all have that piece made as soon as you get back. We'll get your doth piercing done. Like it's going to be awesome. And they go get lunch and everything went wrong with the piece you tried to make them. <laughs> and, and they come back and you're empty handed. And it's just like, I don't know. I can try again. You can pick something else. Like there are days where stuff just absolutely goes wrong. And it is a high pressure situation sometimes where somebody like came back two hours later because you told them to, and you have absolutely nothing to show them. You're just like, okay, well we tried. <laughs> like There are absolutely days where like, I will not sit down at the bench because I know that my headspace or lack of sleep from new baby, whatever it is like, I will turn into a puddle anything you put in front of me on that bench with that torch. So I'm not going to sit down and make anything for special orders. I'm not going to make anything for the shop. And I won't agree to make anything for walk-in clients. And sometimes you don't know you're having that kind of day until you've ruined two pieces of jewelry. <laughs> um, that also, this might lead into another topic about like shop growth and adapting and stuff. But yeah, I was just going to say as far as like shop growth, but until we hired John, our new piercer and jeweler, um, it was just Nick and I, and there would be a lot of days where it would be one of us solo. And there are definitely times where you commit to, to making a piece for somebody on the spot. And then as soon as you say, sure, this will take me about an hour to make, go get lunch and come back. Five walk-ins come in that all want helix piercings. And then what? Like, do you tell these people that want simple piercings with jewelry that's already made and ready to go that like you have to wait until I make this piece of jewelry or do you tell the single person that wanted a custom piece made I didn't get it done because five people came in and I had to do walk-ins um so that can be a, a tricky one but now that we've got we added one person onto the shop that's that's a little less of an issue we have a little more a little more time on our hands I've found that our clients are extremely respectful um about sort of our triage approach to getting through busy days here whenever it's only one or two of us present and there's jewelry to make jewelry to fix and people to pierce i found that our clients do a pretty good job of just sort of taking a seat and watching the chaos unfold with a cup of coffee and i'm really really grateful for that i think without our client's attitude here, we'd have a much harder time operating. I think it's a reflection of like the kind of folks that visit this city and who are attracted to our studio. Absolutely. I also, it's, it's fascinating that our shop doesn't have predictable busy times. It's not like we can schedule that like, okay, Saturday is always busy. So don't commit to any jewelry projects because we can have Saturdays here where we do two or three piercings and a Tuesday where you're just back to back all day. So it's very wildly unpredictable here as far as like what day is a busy day. And I think that's part of like being a service industry town and a tourist town, but definitely like Sundays and Mondays tend to be busy and Fridays tend to be slow ish, but even that's like incredibly unpredictable. I really love it. Like not having a predictable laid out, pat and tried a approach to every single day is pretty important for me. I think keeping every day more project based than a, than a set schedule has been really helpful for me to stay on my toes and enjoy it day to day here. One of the things that I also want to ask you guys about because your situation is so like unique uh, and by unique, I mean, good positive <laughs> because you guys are one of the few people in the industry that also makes jewelry at their studio. There are a few others um, that I am aware of, but uh, you guys work great as a team. And plus I really like talking to you. So that's why we're talking to you this time. But so with the climate of the jewelry situation that's in the industry now, 
no one can get ends. No one can get basics. People are having problems. The wait times are incredibly long. These are all things that we know about. These are all things that a lot of us complain about every day. Has that really affected you guys aside from, you know, uh, getting your basics? How has that worked out in your situation? Um, I feel like it's interesting for us because we're not milling titanium. So posts, barbells, circular barbells, curves, basically a lot of the, the pieces that our pieces go on and require to be used, we still wait for along with everyone else. Um, since I've not been in the industry as long as Alan or many other people, uh, I don't really have a, a different point of reference. I, I've never lived in the world of two-week turnarounds for 500 threadless posts. I don't know how that feels, so I don't get too discouraged about it. For us, it's interesting because since our clients know that we make jewelry, they are very used to a day, two-day, two-week sort of max turnaround for for pieces so whenever someone comes in and wants a snake end that we don't make or someone sees a picture of a piece online they they come in with a picture on their phone and like i'd love to get this and i'm like okay cool well i have it in you know uh yellow gold and white gold i don't have it in rose and they'll be like, cool, well, can I come back tomorrow? And it's like, well, you need to come back in like four months. And they, I, I, there's a little bit of a disconnect with them because they may have gotten four or five, six piercings here or pieces of jewelry here and have never had to wait. They've, they've come back in the next day. And so it can be a little bit interesting explaining that we can't make everything here, that the piece that they're interested in was made by someone else and that we're going to have to wait for it. Um, I've found that nurturing friendships and, and being chummy and helping out other studios helps because we turn to one another and, Hey, do you have this barbell? I'm doing an apodravia and don't have the length the client needs, or, Hey, do you have this specific end in this color with this stone? The client's being pretty particular and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be waiting four or five months for it. Uh, people tend to be pretty amenable to that. And I find that it's, kind of fun to reach out to other piercers and have them reach out to me. And when I can do them a favor and hopefully be done a favor in turn. Yeah. That's a thing that I noticed quite a bit that there seems to be uh, a lot of circles in our industry that are basically like little tiny trade groups. And, and it's kind of, I am super nerdy when I say that it's kind of like a Venn diagram where you got like the three circles and it's like two friends are in this one and I'm in this one alone, but they're not in this one. Um, and it's pretty unique because you'd be surprised how big of a network that is and how much it can actually help you. It really stresses how important networking is within this industry and creating and nurturing friendships uh, with others in our community. Absolutely. I don't think anyone is above um, a little bit of kindness and compassion whenever a fellow piercer's in a tight spot and needs assistance with something, it it makes sense. And I also think it can change how you order stuff. If it means you you throw a few extra ends on there because you know that it'll put you in a position to to sell them to someone else if they need it, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I'm really proud of the fact that if a friend reaches out to me for a piece, if I don't have it, I can almost always point them in a direction of a studio that will and and sort of reach out to that studio and let them know that that's a friend of mine it's it's cool it, it's really neat i think it also helps our studios all kind of figure out their place in the industry and carve out like specific niches for each studio a little better um like for example our shop we do genital piercings here but we don't get a huge call for them so we don't stock a lot of large gauge stuff um our our jewelry supply kind of taps out at like 12 gauge um and then we've got some stuff so that we can handle you know like a walk-in pa but if somebody comes in you know just last week somebody came in and wanted to stretch from six gauge to four gauge and it's like we don't have anything that big um but at the same time a shop that does a ton of genital piercings and has that kind of thing in stock might also not stock like platinum stuff or diamond ends or you know some of the stuff that we do have so i think it really allows shops to like not feel like they have to have one of everything and instead that they can like very much diversify and figure out exactly where and what vibe they want their shop to have and then when they do get kind of an outlier client 
they know what shop they can call on to help out with it. And I, I really love that networking. No, absolutely. And also whenever people are loaning each other pieces that they're, you know, you're, you're sending it to me, but you're getting money from me and you're going to restock it. It tends to give you an, a, a chance to rethink that piece. Like, has that been sitting in my case for a year and I'm sending it to another piercer? Maybe I don't need to reorder that. Um, maybe this isn't something that our studio should carry. And it also means that you don't really need to stress too much on losing the piece if it's been there for a while. Recently, uh, Carl from Heat Street down in Florence, South Carolina, um, saved my butt and sent me a piece that I had forgotten to order for a client. And months down the road, they, they came in asking for it. And Carl sent me the piece. And when I asked him what he wanted for it, he just said to send him uh, a comparable piece of gold. So it was this fun kind of like grab bag for him of like, well, I don't know, man, that's been here for a while. Why don't you go ahead and send me something fun? Like that was an enjoyable interaction that both of us benefited from. And I, I hope that that happens more in our industry going forward. Can you imagine loot boxes? <laughs> for <laughs> <characters>? <laughs> uh, I also think that, that level of like communication and networking takes a lot of the pressure off the bigger companies that are manufacturing stuff that do get backed up. Because if you don't have to stock a piece at your shop, like there's no reason these companies need to be making, you know, five, four gauge circular barbells for every single shop in the country. If, if you're at a shop that is going to use one of those, like once every five years, like, call the shop that does use them regularly and has them instead of like expecting our manufacturers to make, you know, thousands of these things that everybody's just going to put in the back of a drawer and not ever use. It's a really unique way of looking at it because case in point, when I ran classy body art in Albany before I moved, I was convinced that I needed one of everything <laughs> and it drove me bananas because my my thought was, if I don't have it, I can't do it, and I lose out on a sale. And then I started to add up all the numbers and immediately said to myself, I am a crazy person to try to believe that I need to do that. And, you know, over time, especially because, you know, Bella's fairly young as a studio, you figure out what your clientele wants the most of. And uh, my studio, for example, it was septums and nipples. Like, that was my yeah. bread and butter. And I realized at that point, I was like, why am I carrying so much surface jewelry? Like, what is going on here? Like, I don't need three different <laughs> lengths and all this stuff. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, let's trade it off and try to get a whole bunch of stuff that I know that I can fly out the door. Um, so, yeah, I can I can totally understand that. And it, it really is a unique thing because each area is different i had a conversation the other day with jake hardman of drift and he now has a uh, it's actually very unique because or not unique i gotta stop saying that it's actually very interesting because in his area he's known for genital work and that's the thing that he has to stock the most of now because all of a sudden he's now uh, as uh, I lovingly am going to put it right now, like king of genitals down in Florida. So, <laughs> so uh, he's just like spending a lot of time and, and really having to stock his jewelry for doing that stuff. He does a lot of other cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, candidly, let's be honest, like doing genital stuff is some of the funnest stuff to do. So uh, and I mean that in the, the most non creepy way possible, just <laughs> no. uh, from a technical standpoint. I think that's a general consensus among piercers that you're, you're proud of how, mu how much genital work you do get to perform usually. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I want to discuss with you is how the area perceives your shop. And I know that we have touched on this like a little bit, but Asheville is so unique in my eyes. It is very uh, community-based is the best way that I can put it. Uh, a lot of businesses work together with one another. A lot of employees make sure that they keep the money within the community and things like that. Has that worked out to your advantage in regards to making jewelry? Are you making jewelry for other most? How, how's the split? Are you making jewelry for a lot of other piercers? Are you making them for online clients? Or, or is it one of those things that once the community is aware that this is a possibility, it kind of starts to be what you're known for? I do not make jewelry for anyone but 
walk-in clients or existing piercing clients or people I'm friends with within the industry. I'm not taking online orders. I don't fill wholesale orders. We have a really um, healthy body of clientele that come visit us once every month or two and expect to have you know, dozens of handmade pieces that are new to them that they've never seen before that they can browse from and take home. It's a really, really amazing group of, of people who found us through social media and through uh, tattoo studios and other piercers who send them to us, who at this point have basically started to collect body jewelry. Um, they'll get a piercing or not, but they do very frequently come in and pick out one or two or four pieces that they want to go home with that day. Um, it's really, really common for us to send folks home with jewelry and boxes that we've removed from them that they may get pierced with later on. But for the most part, they're interested in, in having, to use the word, curated uh, ears and noses that they want to change the look of. And they want to be able to say that they bought handmade jewelry and had it installed by the person that made it. That is a smooth sentence. Oh, this piece? Oh, I got this curated and it's all handmade and local. Like over over on this end, it's just like, Mwah! oh, so good. Like it, it's ridiculous like how good that sounds as like a business owner. Because that that's such an awesome statement that your clients can make about the things that they're getting. I'm really proud of it. It's been a lot of fun. And it also really ups the stress. <laughs> <laughs> to add on to what Nick was saying though, um, I think it's also cool because uh, I would say, I don't know, I don't know what the actual number is, but a good chunk of our clients are local, but also a really big chunk of our clients are tourists that are here visiting. And there is that element of like wanting a piercing as a souvenir. Um, and I think a lot of, definitely a lot of like fun, older clients that like came to Asheville for the weekend and want to get their nose pierced and go home and that'll be their fun like exciting thing they did while they were visiting here and and their little like souvenir of the time they were here and i think it just adds one extra step of like kind of i don't know like attachment to the place they visited if they get to get pierced while they're here and also get to get pierced with a piece of jewelry that was made here so it's it's a little of both. It's a little of like, I got to get my nose pierced while I was on vacation, but also I got to get this piece from Asheville made there. Like, I think people are really into that. Yeah. At this point, we have clients who have come and, and visited us for, we're going into our third year. And so they will come in, having already been here once, excited to get a new piece of jewelry for the piercing we already did for them and pick up another one. And we've sort of turned into a stop on their annual trip to Asheville. And I couldn't be prouder of that. The fact that we've become, in their mind, linked to this city and this area, along with the beautiful hiking and the restaurants and the breweries and stuff, we've become sort of an item on their checklist that they have to at least come say hi and and pick up a new piece of jewelry while they're here. That That's awesome. We really love it. Absolutely. It's also super flattering that we get a lot of clients that come here just for us. Like, we'll have people make a, a road trip to come to our shop. And I, and it helps that we're in a place that's also not a bummer to visit. Like <laughs> you're not just coming to a piercing studio and driving back home. It's like, well, we drove here cause we wanted to get pierced, but also like we're going to go hiking for a couple days or we're going to go to breweries or we're going to do whatever while we're in town. But I think that makes it a little easier trip to justify than just like, I'm going to six hours to get my ear pierced. But we definitely do get a lot of folks that it's always really impressive to me and always like makes me really grateful for our clientele that we get folks that are, you know, I drove all day to come here just to come to your like, whoa, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I love visiting Asheville and I'm what, two and a half hours away, but it's always really funny to me because whenever I come visit, it's always visit you guys go to the little burger joint. That's like within walking distance of your place. And then go to like a brewery like it's just and each time i go i can experience something different so it is really nice that you are in a destination location but being a destination itself in that place really is quite flattering and quite awesome for you guys i'm i'm really stoked for you 
Thank you. One thing that might be worth mentioning is that, like, you know, there's a really big rise of piercer slash jewelry makers happening. And, um, like, this year at conference, there was a jewelry makers meetup that, uh, how many people attended, Alan? Maybe around 20? Yeah. Um, so it's it's not, well, well the, the notion of a walk-in jewelry making slash piercing thing is unique. The idea of piercers producing jewelry to pierce with is... Uh, is absolutely on the upswing again. And we've had multiple piercers fly out and stay in Asheville for a couple days and learn some basic jewelry making stuff. So I don't know if that's worth mentioning. If that's weird, I'm not trying to. No, I think I'm actually going to leave this in as it is. I, I think that's a really awesome thing. And I do have to say the fact that you're willing to share the knowledge that you have with others really benefits the industry as a whole. So there's, I, I've said it before, the industry secrets thing really just hurts the industry itself. And we're not big enough to do that at this point. We, we no. genuinely aren't. Uh, it's one of the big reasons I've been trying to, to like show process stuff a lot more. Also, like, I think it's really cool to see how many people are like in it up. Even if the farthest you get is that you make all the same rings for your shop. Like the fact that a client comes in that wants a, you know, 730 seconds in rose gold and you don't have it and you can make it instead of waiting months i think is amazing um and so it's one of the reasons i've been trying really hard to make that stuff very public and not have any secret stuff and like i also think it's i could see how that could look scary to a lot of bigger companies that maybe a big part of their income relies on basics um and the idea that a lot of those basics are producible in-house with fairly simple inexpensive tool setups um could look pretty scary but i think at the end of the day what it really does is it means that like some of our bigger companies instead of being backed up months at a time because they're making you seam rings and beads means that they could be making way more unique things and pushing boundaries and really moving the industry forward rather than just struggling to keep up with basics um, and that's what's really exciting about it to me is that it, it works out well for the clients because they don't have to wait forever. It works out for piercers because they're not stuck in that middleman position. And it works out well for our manufacturers because they get to, you know, explore more creative options than just being, you know, sort of tied to like making just repeated basic stuff all the time. Yeah, I think it really lightens the load on the pipeline, like kind of takes out some of it because if individuals are able to make those i'm just referring to them as bare bones such as a two millimeter prong cz or you know a seam ring it can really lighten the load for them to crank out those really unique pieces that we see that you know the banger pieces the ones that the clients really want and then still have enough for you as a business to sell those and i'm just using the term as a non-insult like those basic gold ends you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. It also means that, you know, for me as someone who orders for the shop, like my orders with those companies grow because I'm not focused on getting my beads and triple beads and discs. I'm focused on ordering three times as many posts as I normally would. So it's it, it doesn't hurt. Like increasing the demand for body jewelry increases the demand for body jewelry. And if you position yourself to provide body jewelry you benefit there's not there's not a downside to this i also think the the same goes for the level of creativity like the amount of piercers making new things and and producing things by hand um i think the industry in the last even few years has changed radically because you're seeing piercings it's not just where did you put this piece that we all have and instead it's oh my god you made a piece just for this person's unique ear shape or whatever and to me that's been a really amazing thing to see in the industry yeah absolutely i i really have to agree with you on all those points we talk about it here kind of regularly because for me being an older piercer and then nick and john being newer to the industry i remember the days and this is going to sound like some old man stuff but like i remember when there weren't like you know i worked at a shop i was really lucky to apprentice at a shop that was quality jewelry internally threaded whatever 16 years ago which was unheard of in the middle of nowhere in indiana but like even then like being like a quote-unquote good shop 
like we had barbells and captive bead rings and sure they were internally threaded and they were good quality but like there wasn't a whole lot to look at and so the only way you could get creative as a piercer was like wild surface piercing projects or nasalings or like weird industrial stuff and i think sometimes it's funny because i'll see nick get fascinated by like industrial ear project stuff and he's like oh my god i've never seen anything like this and it'll be like a curvy bent barbell thing and it'll be like yeah back when none of us had cool jewelry and no one knew how to make jewelry like we had to do that because otherwise it was just the same thing every day all day like and the the creativity has kind of gone it's it's kind of combined both those things where now as piercers we can get creative with placement and and like creative piercings but also you can do a very simple piercing that's easy to execute with very creative jewelry and and you have that as an alternative also so you don't necessarily need to do a 17 point ear project to do something unique on someone i <laughs> you guys are killing it <laughs> <laughs> um, no that's that's really yeah i i really think and i really agree with all the points that you're making like it's it's one of those things and i really have to applaud both of you on your outlooks and your input and helping uh, the industry itself grow. Like it, it is great. And like, like I said, there are a lot of other companies and studios that also have jewelry production in house. But I, I really feel that Bella has some special, I'm going to say it, some special magic to it because of how involved the community is and how, happy your clients are especially with my interactions with them from just visiting for like a handful of moments uh every so often they are pumped to see the pieces that you guys have and hear that it's local and see where it's made and i i really think that that's something special and i i really wish you guys the best of luck and can't you know wait to hear about where things go in the future thanks i think that so something we started to talk about talking about like studio growth and change and adapting to um we just hired another piercer and jeweler john and and i think we were kind of on the verge of not really being sure for a long time of if we should add a third person or if we needed to or when that would be a good idea and i think we needed him more than we thought we did because we kind of got in a position where I'm pretty booked out with custom pieces and the shop's getting busier with walk-ins and, and we pierce more and more all the time. And it did kind of get into a position where people would come in and be like, oh, I want this, but in a different color. And we'd be like, mm, okay, but it'll be a week. And and it wasn't, we weren't able to do the like walk-in, you know, repair, adjustment, change a stone to a different stone kind of stuff. And now that John's here and it's not like me by myself three days a week and Nick by himself. And then we overlap on the weekends. Like now we have an extra person to both help with jewelry stuff if we're piercing, but also to pierce so that if there's a piece we need to make real quick, like, and it's interesting to see the shop grow. And I don't think we even realized it had grown that much until we added another person and realized like, wow, I actually can tell someone that like oh you wanted an amethyst in a prong setting instead of a diamond cool come back in 20 minutes versus come back in a week because i have to pierce people and i'm the only one here it's also important to note that that none of us uh descended from on high with jewelry making knowledge that i had very limited experience with brazing and welding and learned what I learned from Alan and, and talking a lot to other jewelers, people like Mike Knight that I could reach out to and, and within a day or two get a very thorough response from, and, and same with John, John had welding experience, but started hanging out here and watching us make jewelry and learning that way. And, and this is very doable. I don't want anyone to feel like jewelry making is inaccessible. I've, taken a couple classes here and there, but almost everything I've learned has been DIY and just stuff that people have shared with. You know, I, I applaud it all the time and, and I talk to him all the time, but Mike is willing to help anyone that asks. That guy, if he was any more humble, he would fall asleep. Like he, <laughs> he, he honestly, like you can ask him any question and he will try to walk you through it and try to dumb it down. And I've asked him questions before. I'm like, how do you make this? And he will break it down to me in like, in in basically layman's terms, so I can understand what's going on, because I don't understand the ins and outs and how you guys do that kind of stuff. 
it's it's really unique and that's awesome and and it's one of the things and i i bring this up quite a bit one of the things that he preaches personally is if he shares something with you today there may be a time down the road where you share something with him that he didn't know about or had no idea how to do so it it is this you know this circle of everyone helping everyone and everyone benefiting from doing that once again yeah man we're not tattooers we don't need to hide stuff from each other (laughs) oh man uh i love you for that statement so yeah um (laughs) but uh but yeah no it's it's pretty great it's really unique i'm i'm really pumped for you guys thanks nick i understand out of all of the things you have been the newest learner at bella and you've kind of started from nothing and kind of gone forward. Is there anything that you want to say about that process or things you observed within the industry that you can help like shine some light on for the folks that are either a possibly interested in or have any advice for those people? Certainly. Um, People will be open with you. If you reach out the other jewelers and the piercers who are jewelers in our industry have been nothing but amazing to me and giving me resources and information. Um, And I really want to point out that when someone's new at something, they're not going to be awesome right away. And that's sometimes the only way to fund and fuel projects is to invest yourself and your time and your money and hope that it works out and learn from experience. And I really hope to see a trend of piercers in our industry being supportive towards those of us who are who are making things it's not easy creativity and learning a craft don't always come hand in hand so sometimes we learn a skill before we have a lot of creative ideas in order to to invest that skill and then sometimes we have ideas before we have the skill to bring it to fruition perfectly and i want us to be more supportive of each other and tearing down a a newer jeweler who's attempting to learn something because the polish is off or the ends aren't flush or the stone set crooked or is a little loose these are important things to bring their to their attention, but it's also important that you realize that that person's trying and is doing something really cool. And in a couple of years might be a big deal. And I would always rather be someone who backed their play and provided them good, honest, constructive feedback than someone who was just tearing them down. 1000% agree with that. <laughs> oh, I think there's also an interesting, I kind of have an outside perspective of it because I started making jewelry a little before Nick and John and watching those two both learn. I think another interesting side of that is like how much I learned from helping them learn stuff. And same with the other piercers that have came and visited and, and we've gotten to work with here, like me getting to show someone things often like reinforces like how well I know it. And I think the same goes for like helping piercers with piercings too. Like getting to show someone why you do something a certain way, like definitely gets you out of your head and like kind of gets you in a position where you think about why do I do it that way? And other times you'll see somebody that's brand new, hold a tool some way or do something that you're like, I never thought to do that that way. And it's kind of wrong, but Oh my God, it works perfect for that. You know, you figured it out. Like, so I think like helping each other, like always benefits everyone. It's, it's really cool. And also like watching Nick and John learn stuff. They, almost immediately like out of the gate even with very simple pieces started to develop their own kind of unique look and style to the things they made and that to me is really interesting and exciting also that like even something as simple as like a gold bar threadless end or whatever like can have a lot of variation to it both in the way you finish it or how you shape the ends or whatever and it's really cool to see we'll have clients come in that that will pick a lot of times the, the jewelry selection process will start really broad and clients will start to narrow down and we'll kind of pull stuff away and they'll end up with five or six pieces they're choosing from. And it's not uncommon at all that every single piece they picked out as their like final, like, I don't know, their, their like top priority pieces, like will all be made by the same person. And they kind of just clicked with that person's vibe and their style and whatever. And without even knowing who made all of those pieces, they picked five pieces made by the same person. And I think that's so fascinating. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, I really I really think all the things that were presented in this episode are really great, especially for studio owners that are thinking about 
possibly adding a, a jewelry maker to their staff, as well as people that potentially have thought, hey, you know, maybe I could learn how to do jewelry. I think this is a good point for all of them to kind of think about it a little bit more. And I'm sure that you guys are more than welcome to have people message you to possibly ask a few questions. Uh, so we'll make sure that we include that in this week's show notes. You, you just brought up a really interesting thing too, um, not to cut you off, but like, I think it's also important if someone wants jewelry made in-house or locally or whatever i think it's important to think about like what you need and what you want that to look like and sort of what you can provide because i think it can be a situation where your smartest move is to learn how to make jewelry and that also might be the worst move uh, if you've got a busy studio that does 40 piercings a day like you should not be sitting in a back room making seam rings all day. Uh, hire, hire a local bench jeweler, teach them how piercings work and teach them how body jewelry works and, and help them make you things. You know, there's, there's a, a time and a place where it's like a skill set that you could add to your piercing career or where you should like farm it out to someone else who has the free time and the skill set to dedicate to. So fun fact, that's actually going to be part two of this series. Ah, okay. where, uh, yeah awesome uh hopefully i'm if all things go correct uh nick adorje has a local jeweler that he works exclusively yes. with to make ends uh, uh not only awesome. ends but <laughs> yes not only ends but other pieces of jewelry too so hopefully i'm going to be able to get nick and possibly him onto the show too to discuss how that relationship works out yes Man, i'm so excited for what they're doing there hearing from a non-piercer jeweler would be sick Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping that I can get all the stars to align with that. And it's I feel bad because I I try to do this podcast every three ish weeks, but you know, Alan got married. Uh I went on vacation with my family. You had family things, and it's also Nick's birthday this week. So um all those things, it's just like this crazy thing. But I wanted to make sure that we touched on this topic because I think it's so important for the industry to hear. So um why don't you guys just go ahead and uh, as we as we lovingly close this out, this has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it quite a bit, and um, I'm really looking forward to coming out and visiting you guys next time, and possibly learning how you do things. But uh, I'm going to stay to my miniature painting. But until then, uh, Nick, why don't you just let everyone know what's going on, and then if there's anything that you want to plug in particular, uh, you can go ahead and let us know too. Thanks, Will, for the opportunity to come on and speak. Um, I'm just really focusing on making jewelry piercing in my family for now, but I want to let everyone know that if you plan on making jewelry or have aspirations to, or even just curious, please like reach out to those of us that are doing it and ask your questions and network. It's what makes our industry great and producing our own jewelry is only going to grow. So by all means, reach out, say, Hey, uh, follow me on Instagram, follow the shop on Instagram. I'm Nick Fox piercing. The studio is Bella piercing. And that's it. Thanks for having me on, Will. Right. And uh, what about you, Alan? I know that you have a few things in the pipeline. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of the same Nick said, like, always feel free to reach out. Uh, this stuff's pretty much just really exciting and, and super fun. And, and I do it because I love it. Um, so, yeah, if I've got a trunk show coming up pretty soon at Black Hole in Portland, and if other studios want me to come out and bring my jewelry, I'm always happy to do that. Um. I've got a couple other trunk shows in the works where I'll be going to other studios and bringing my jewelry and potentially piercing with it or just bringing it to sell. Um, you're always anybody that's interested in jewelry making or doing it on their own or just wants to know more, like definitely hit up me, Nick or John. You're all welcome to like, we love having people come in the studio and watch and hang out and showing them things. Like if you want to spend a, couple days here hanging out like we're always down to facilitate that um and i'm setting up a patreon page right now that i i plan it seems like a good format that i'll be able to share videos and instructional stuff a lot easier um instagram story stuff gets lost pretty quick and disappears and whatever um so that'll be a good place i think i'll be able to share that stuff that it won't just disappear forever after it's shared um and also will allow me to do i plan on doing Probably a weekly video chat kind of session where I can be at the jeweler's bench working on stuff and just live talk to people while I'm working. And if you have a question on how I do a thing or or if you're struggling with something, I can try to like do it at the bench and help with it. 
Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I think it'll be really fun. Yeah. Like doing that or like a Twitch type thing, you know, I, I think that would be really super interesting. And I've, I've thought about doing that for my mini painting, even though I'm terrible at it. It's still fun <laughs> to do. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's a, a really good point too, is that like none of us are experts. It's like, we're all just learning. We're all same with piercing. Like you can do this forever and you're still learning stuff. So I definitely don't want to ever come off as any sort of authority and like, come here so you can learn how to make jewelry or whatever it's more of a case of like i don't know i'm down to show you what i know and if you know other stuff i would love to learn it and if somebody watches me make a piece of jewelry and is like there's a way better way to do that like i want to know that like i i love putting stuff out there so that i can get that critic back yeah having that mentality too is extremely good for growth like it it just is amazing you know like you're you're not above anyone you're not below anybody you're you're just here along for the ride if you folks ever get the chance i strongly suggest going out and making a trip to visit bella in person how it looks the atmosphere and the town it's located in are worth the trip not to mention you can probably take a peek at how the jewelry is made through the window I know there are a few businesses out there that also have jewelry makers or companies in their locations, but I wanted to showcase Bella specifically because of the love and the care they put into every single piece. Alan did a great job pointing out how everyone starts somewhere. So if you've been thinking about giving jewelry making a try as a hobby or a possible business venture down the road, there's no better time than now to take a jewelry making class or maybe become involved with a local jewelry maker club. I want to thank Nick and Alan for all the info they shared in this episode and for coming in early on a work day so they could talk. If you have questions or you want to pick their brains about their current situation, please reach out to them. You can find links for each of our guests in this week's show notes. Please take some time to follow these guests. Better yet, visit them at Bella in Asheville, North Carolina. We'll also update you folks when Alan puts his Patreon together because that is something that I would definitely be coming a patron of. On a personal note, I wanted to thank my buddy Andre. He just sent me a bunch of shirts from his new clothing company, Between Valhalla and Hell. As a big dude, it's hard to find shirts that I like and shirts that fit. His shirts have a black craft cult vibe. So yeah, I just wanted to take this second to thank Andre for his rad stuff. And you can check out his company on social media and the such as Between Valhalla and Hell, and that's Hell with one L. As always, I want to thank all you wonderful folks for liking, listening, and subscribing to the podcast, especially all of you that have left reviews on iTunes and the Google Play Store. This is how the podcast continues to grow, and it's seriously amazing seeing how many listens we get on each episode. If you want to help us out by doing just more than listening, consider joining our Patreon to join our ever-growing community of supporters. These donations in any size to our Patreon fill my ever-constant and continued effort to provide higher-quality podcasts in both audio and content. Don't forget, Badura sent me these awesome custom tins of holy butter that we only have a few of these left. If you pledge at the $10 level or higher, we'll send one of these out to you on the first of the month. But they are first come, first serve, and we don't have too many left. If you want to join this community, head over to patreon.com slash realtalkapiercingpodcast. I would also like to thank our ongoing sponsors of the podcast. Their continued support of our podcast helps to ensure the quality and content episode after episode. Since 2004, Punk Medics has been on the cutting edge for tattoo and piercing aftercare for the body modification industry, using natural botanical ingredients. Not only are their products premium quality in every sense of the word, but they also strive to use sustainable ingredients and have a minimal carbon footprint. I know I've discussed this before, but Punk Medics is the definition of a small company, ran mostly just by Badur. He creates labels, packages, and handles every in and out of the business. It's rare in this day and age to know that a single person has ensured that each product they make is up to par and leaves with love. He stands behind everything that his company makes, and that to me shows a company that this industry should support. To check out this amazing company and its line of organic piercing and tattoo products, visit punkmedics.com to order directly or use their handy store locator to find the nearest shop by you. I want to also thank sponsor the podcast Jewelry This Way. For those of you that haven't had a chance to work with this company in the past, let me tell you a little bit about them. Joy This Way is a gold-only jewelry company that offers handmade jewelry made in good old Tennessee. The jewelry is made by piercers, for piercers, paying attention to the detail that we all look for. But this isn't the best part about them. The best part is that when you peruse their stock on their website, jewelrythisway.com, you will only see their current stock levels of products. That means zero turnaround time. Just click, buy, 
and wait for your jewelry to show up in the next few days. For new customers and current customers, Jewelry This Way has decided to give our listeners 5% off their next or initial order with the discount code REALTALK. There hasn't been a better time to try this company, especially right now during the summer rush. So visit JewelryThisWay.com and use the discount code REALTALK for 5% off today. Our final sponsor for this week's episode is from our California family, Amory Body Arts. Amory Body Arts is owned by the amazing team of Adam and Shelby Richens. They're committed to providing the safest, friendliest, and most professional piercing environment in Santa Cruz. Their staff is the only people I trust in Central California to send clients and listeners to. For all your piercing and jewelry needs, make sure to visit our friends at Amory. Please give them a follow on social media under Amory Body Arts. You can find more information about these companies under the Sponsors tab on our website, realtalkapiercingpodcast.com. To ask questions, suggest topics, or get more info about your host or today's guest, please visit us at realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. If you have a moment and enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest are their own and do not represent the official position of the Association of Professional Piercers or their places of employment. Music by Broke for Free.